Please welcome. Please welcome. Welcome. This is another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast, a podcast where we talk about what makes a business valuable, learn the tips and tactics to increase your company's value that only veteran dealmakers know. And now here's your host, Ed Misogland. Welcome to another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast. I'm your host, Ed Misogland. Um, today's topic is is really I don't want to say interesting. I mean, it is certainly interesting. I mean, the the biggest thing and what's prompting this podcast is that I'm getting more and more business valuations. And the good news is that I'm, a lot of business owners are beginning to talk to professional advisors about their sale, about their business value. And while that's good, the problem is that we're bumping into um, the value that the appraiser is rendering is not applicable for sale purposes. And so in today's podcast, that's what I want to talk about is figuring out and showing you why and how you want to approach your business valuation. All right. So let's, let's, let's begin with, you know, business valuation. All right. So for those of you that, that aren't watching, so I have a slide up and there's various, there's five different types of hammers that I have. All right. And each one of them can certainly pound a nail, but each one is used for a different purpose. And it's the same, it's the same thing I want you to think about when, when you have appraisers. So the appraisers, you you have business valuation for litigation, estate and gift. You have it for divorce. You have it for folks like me for sale purposes. You have intellectual property and trademark. And then you have um, you have um, industry specialists. So so how how does advisors go off go 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 off the road. So the slide that I'm showing now is it has to do with the standard of value. And we're going to talk about the different standards. And everybody thinks fair market value is what's applicable for selling a business. And it is not. So let's talk about it. You know, if and this next slide, I have I have a a uh, it came from an article from um I think it's the Wall Street Journal about, you know, Trump's own witness in his in his fraud case admits he knows nothing about finances. And the biggest thing I wanted to to draw here was <clears throat> that, um, you know, Stephen Lapoza first took the stand on Thursday to discuss the valuation of Trump's real estate holdings. All right. The so he's being he's being accused of, you know, uh, inflating his his market assets. So Laposa, you know, Laposa then says that he relied on the market value analysis of Trump's properties. He agreed that he should have based it on investment value, which takes in consideration of the owner's investments requ- investment requirements. So back to the standard of value. He totally missed that this appraiser totally missed the purpose for which he was hired for. All right. So standard of value. All right. Standard of value is in many situations, it's legally mandated by the law. 
All right. And I'll talk to you, talk in a minute about some of the areas that we need to, you know, the areas in which regulatory bodies oversee valuation. In other cases, it depends on, you know, the party's wishes. Like, for example, you know, um, you know, the bank, the bank wants to know about collateral. They don't care about they they don't care about market value. They care about, you know, what's if this thing goes bad, what's it worth? You know, so in business, in the standard of value, it addresses the question value to whom and under what circumstances. And this standard of value helps determine what valuation methods are appropriate and what factors should or should not be considered for the purpose that you're doing the valuation. So this, this next slide, which is probably the most important slide, um, I, I kind of cobbled it together from, from a, a book called Private Capital Markets, and then I, and then I kind of overlaid my own take on it. So the standard of value, let's first talk about transfer channels. Transfer channels means how you're going to, how you're going, how there's going to be a change of ownership. So we, we begin going left to right, liquidation, estate and gift, you retain, an, you retain as an investor, you sell to your employees, you got a family sale, you got partners and a partner buy sell, you got ESOPs, you got outside sales which is can be a third party exit or a recapitalization. And then lastly, you got pu pu a public offering. So an IPO. So those first six are internal transfers and the last three are external transfers. And what you see across the very bottom from going from left to right. So liquidation is orderly liquidation value. Estate and gift is fair market value. Retain an investor, chances are it's fair market value. Sale to an employee's fair market value. Family sale, probably fair market value. Partner, partner buy sell, fair market value or something negotiated. ESOP, certainly fair market value. Then you move to outside to third party sales and, and exits and recaps. That's investment value. And then public offerings, also investment value or intrinsic value, as some people call it. So you can see that the bulk of, of fair market value appraisals, you know, are for, you know, roughly 70% of the transfer channels. Only sale and public offering are investment or intrinsic value. So now you this next slide that I'm showing, you know, estate and gift is fair market value. Purchase and sale is investment or market value. Marital dissolution, it's dependent upon the, the state, but chances are it's either fair value, which means no discounts, or fair market value, which means discounts. Buy-sell agreements, they can do anything they want. Descending sh shareholders, um, so that's fair value. Minority oppression, that's fair value. ESOPs or employee stock ownership plans is fair market value. Ad valorem taxes, generally fair market value. Going private, fair value in most states. Corporate or partnership dissolutions, um, fair value, um, maybe even fair market value depending on the statute. Antitrust, it, it's dependent, it's case law dependent. Other damages, 
Again, statute and case law and financial reporting is fair value as defined by FASB. So um, this chart came from a, a buddy of mine, Paul Watch of Watch Valuations, and it's a, it's, it's a real good summary of the applicable standard of value. All right, so fair market value. This to me is the culprit for all of my woes. It's the price which, um, which a property would change hands between a willing buyer and willing seller when the former is not under any compulsion to buy and the latter is not under any compulsion to sell, both parties having a reasonable knowledge of the relevant facts. And that's from Revenue Ruling 5960, all right? And that, that revenue ruling, its purpose was for prohibition, I couldn't remember what the what how this whole thing started, where 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 the government was evaluating how to tax tangible and intangible property, and so this revenue ruling um, came out um, and was from then on the proxy for fair market value. Okay. Here's the problem that there is fair market value and then there's the real world. So in fair market value world, it's hypothetical. We, you just heard you just heard the description. It's fair market it's hypothetical. It is the buyers are plentiful and they're acting on their own self-interest. So the first thing is, look, they this is real world. These are real buyers and they may be plentiful or they may be limited and they may or may not be, meaning the buyer and the seller may or may not be acting rational, um, you know, when when negotiating or working on reaching a value. Next, you know, is it arm's length? All right. Buyer and seller are independent. Both are act accordingly. In the real world, you know, is it really arm length? Well, you know, there are various elements of compulsion, duress, and such. And exclusive, there, there may, some, one of them, one of the parties, buyer or seller, may have knowledge giving them a negotiated competitive advantage. So again, fair market value out the door. Are they willing to trade? Again, buyer and seller are hypothetical. Buyer and seller are both willing to enter into that transaction, and there is no willingness. There, that, that does not even factor in. And we bump into this a lot with, um, with divorces. Like People show up at our doorstep because we sell businesses. That means that we are um, the immediate arbiter of value. And like you, you, you heard, in, at least in our state, we're a fair market value state. So, so we're using hypothetical parties to determine fair market value. And for sale purposes, you know, we're, we're evaluating whether or not, you know, these are real, real parties that are really, um, you know, apt to behave in a manner for their own self-interest. So, so when we talk about, you know, are they hypothetical that they're, they're willing to enter into a transaction and they're under any circumstance, the unwillingness to, to transact is not present. That's not the case. In the real world, deals fall apart for all kinds of reasons at all 
at all different stages of the process. So now, reasonable knowledge. Fair market value says, you know what? We have we, we are totally informed for about the business. You know, they and both parties are knowledgeable of alternative investments. If I'm not going to do this, why, you know, I can go elsewhere and get the same return. In the real world, you know, either party may or may not have sufficient knowledge about the business and the market and you know how it's going to grow and again you remember you know i preach this valuations based on earnings growth and risk and so the real world you know the the buyer or the seller may have inside information and i don't mean inside like insider trading but inside information about the industry or the business or where it's heading that could um could influence value all right. So now, absence of compulsion. Under fair market value, we say, you know what? If the price is right, everybody's going to transact. In the real world, there's a variety of reasons. You know, there's business planning, retirement, merger, merger and acquisitions, selling to outside advisors or outside investors, I'm sorry, getting a divorce, bankruptcy, IPO. There's a whole reason and a whole series of compulsions that that affect value. And so um, when you when you look at if the price is right, it's probably. Again, back to the everybody's everybody's obligated to transact in the real world, it's not. And the reason for sale will affect the value. I, I recently did a did an article about value penalty. You, if you want, you can look it up on LinkedIn. Um, based on the the type of reason for sale, like for example, if you're retiring, that's a perfectly legitimate reason to to sell. Conversely, you know, if there's a death or a divorce, there's going to be a value penalty from a sale standpoint. So, all right, next negotiating skills. Both parties have similar negotiating skills. In the real world, it. It depends on who's coming to to the to the table. You know, there's a lot. You know, we talk about. You know, can you do this yourself? Yeah, maybe you could probably sell your business yourself. Um, it probably is in your best interest to surround yourself with some pretty good advisors, only because many buyers have many more opportunities to have bought businesses than you've had to sell. But my point is that the negotiating skills under fair market value. You know, that's not a material issue about whether or not um, about value in the real world. It really depends on who's the party, um, who the parties are that are going to be um, at the table and and operating on your behalf. Economic factors. All right. Um, so this is based on the merits of the investment. Comparing it to alternative investments, and it's known as the principle of substitution. Um, but the real world, you know, there may be, it the economic factors may be strategic, may be synergistic, emotional, or financial, or a combination of all of them, and that influences value. And so, I was, <clears throat> for example, we were, we were there's a a business that prints money, but he's the practitioner. 
he 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 knows everything about that business. He has a he's a a one man band, but prints money. And you know what is the economic factors are who's going to buy it. So from a strategic standpoint, somebody can just grab a hold of him, assuming that he's willing to stay or train somebody to transfer that knowledge. So that's a strategic or a synergistic motivation. The emotional one is, you know, we've had buyers that don't want, you know, that have fallen in love with businesses that they've they've patronized over time. For example, we have in one of our in one of my podcasts, a number of people say you know, when you're selling your business, you know, look to you, look to your evangelists that you serve. Those might be your buyers. And then lastly, the financial motivations. And that's pretty self-evident. So in fair, and this is probably the big killer is fair market value. It, it, they assume cash, cash or cash equivalents. And in the real world, that could be all kinds of different tools, uh, cash, notes, earnouts. Um, you know, sub debt, um, you know, non-competes, consulting agreements, employment agreements, all of that and a combination thereof makes up the deal in the real world. Um, but in fair market value world, it's all cash. And then lastly, rational markets, you know, it assumes that everybody's rational in fair market value land. In the real world, I can tell you after you know, we're we're north of 2,200 deals. And I can tell you that there is all kinds of emotion and all kinds of irrational um, behavior toward investments on both sides. Um, whether it's the 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 buyer that think that thinks that they're buying, you know, uh, IBM. Conversely, this, you know, the the seller that thinks that they have something far superior to anything else on the market. And they behave as such. Um, so, again, rational markets, um, fair market value assumes that it is it's present. Real world says it's not. Okay, so the market, the the marketplace follows. You know, the owner's goals chooses the type of buyer. And remember when I talk about the types of buyers. You know, we we had the, the that that list of you know nine different transfer channels. But focusing on the sales side, the three different types of buyers are as follows. You've got your individuals or financial buyers, you've got strategic buyers, and you have private equity groups. Those are the three types of buyers that will facilitate a sale. All right. And those different buyers have different value drivers. And then the business value is relative to each of those different buyers. So, meaning, a private equity group is looking at the operation and what and by can I layer my processes and my efficiencies and my scaling ability over the top of this business to make it a one plus one equals three deal. All right. Versus a financial buyer who's interested in three things. One, can I pay myself? Two, can I service the debt? And three, can I get a reasonable return of an on my investment? All right. So, so the different, so there's different motivations of each of those types of buyers. And you need to keep that in mind. And the most, the, the, the takeaway is there for every private company, there are a dozen 
And in fact, there's dozens of correct values at any given point in time, just depending on who, who's the one looking. All right. So that is what I'd like to share today. So when you are working with a professional advisor that's doing any kind of value work, you just need to make sure that the person that's doing the work understands the reason for it. And anyone that shows up and says, you know, fair market value is, is proxy for, for, for business value is probably wrong. Um, it, or, or they're just combining nomenclature. Um, and it just, it just doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't make sense, but it's not a, um, it's not a useful tool to the seller. So the seller wants a, wants a number that makes sense to the marketplace. And a lot of times you don't know until you take it to the market, but generally speaking, your business is going to, remember we talked about the, the buyer at the bottom, the, the financial buyer. That's the person that's, that is an entrepreneur that's looking at replacing you. Okay. Can I pay, can I get paid a reasonable wage? I'm not going to leave my $200,000 job to take a $30,000, um, you know, you know, pay so I can buy your business and pay you whatever it is you want. It's not going to happen. If market in that industry is $200,000, then that's $200,000. It comes right off your cash flow. And then the balance becomes how much debt can I service? Okay. So that, that those are the two, the two primary questions with the third being return on, on the investment. How am I going to pay for this deal? All right. After I pay myself, can I service the debt and can I get a reasonable return on my, my investment? Those are the, those are, that's what drives the value. That is at minimum the sanity check on your business valuation. So if those, if you can't answer those, and that's what I would encourage you to talk to your appraiser about, because they can do the, that analysis um, on that sanity check. And so as we're, as we're looking, um, that's where I would start. And if for whatever reason you need, you need any kind of help, um, you want me to review somebody else's work, happy to do it, do it all day. Um, so. I appreciate you uh, taking the time. I hope uh, this episode helped you um, understand a little bit more about business value and the standard of value. We'll see you next week. Thanks. This was another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast. For more episodes packed with strategies to increase the value of your business, visit DefendersOfBusinessValue.com for show notes, transcripts, and free tools to start you on your journey. Subscribe now so you don't miss any future episodes.